I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed Podcast. Uh, we're still looking for Zach in an undisclosed location. <laughs> Nothing's changed since the last podcast. Apparently, he's wandering around somewhere in the wilderness. Or his you, dad said in a jungle somewhere. You got to go through the wilderness. We wanted Zach for the last podcast because it got a little political just because that's where the word took us with Jesus being on trial. And you start seeing the political motions happen that basically ended up with the innocent paying for a crime he didn't commit and the guilty being set free. A tremendous uh, misuse of justice. Yeah, it really was. But you know, it's kind of ironic. I hadn't thought about it, but Zach, we could, we say that because he ran for Congress, you know, from our district back when he lived in West Monroe. But, you know, we've said many times since he lost, he barely lost. It was very close, just less 800 votes, something like that. But we've talked about it before looking at it now that we've had a few years since he ran is the best thing that ever happened. I mean, Zach's had a much bigger impact on the kingdom and even the political world by not winning than he would have if he had won. Who knows? He so. might have gotten there. Well, ultimately, Jesus's point on everyone on the side of truth listens to me pretty much weeded out a lot of politicians. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's, just a, that's just a public service announcement. That because even pilots respond, well, what, what is truth? What's that got to do with anything? So the truth being Jesus, Jesus said, I am the truth. You're, you're looking at it. That's why I always say the New Year's resolution should be a daily resolution of reading the red letters of Jesus on a daily basis. Find out for yourself who Jesus is. If you want to have a basis of truth to make decisions, that should be first and foremost. Yep. That's funny, Jace, you said that because in a sermon I preached uh, recently, right before uh, New Year's, I said, if you want a New Year's resolution, go read the red letters this this year. Did Make you that really? your, your, I did. I said that. I've said that a thousand times to my kids, to my wife, to like every time we've ever had a, what we call a come to Jesus meeting, which means Usually it meant somebody messed up and we're having a meeting about it. But we always, and always, that was the number one thing. I was like, what are we going to do about it? We're, we're going to read the red letters of Jesus because ultimately his righteousness blankets us. And, you know, as we find out the facts about Jesus and, his personality and his character and the things he did and the way he thought. And this, this comes into our lives, you know, via the Holy spirit. This is our basis for making decisions from no matter how small they seem or how big they seem, where is Jesus in this equation? And so when I would ask that with my kids, the, the first answer was always nowhere to be found because <laughs> And I'm not throwing them under the bus. We're all thrown under the bus at some point, And, you know, we lose our way. And Jesus is always the way back. But I'm saying compared to life-changing and society-changing things, the truth of who Jesus is will be much more transforming for the good in every facet of your life than anything political. 
It's just a fact. Yeah, it reminds me of that story. I think I've told it before. I heard a preacher one time, and he was he was doing the story of Naaman and uh, in Elisha. And you remember Elisha's servant Gehazi? He winds up, you know, sneaking back and getting some goods out of old Naaman because he wanted to pay for his healing. And so whenever Elisha asked him, he said, and "Of course, this guy would have been young." He said, "Where have you been?" And the Hebrew for the answer was nowhere in particular. And so the guy made the point, the preacher said, when a teenager or young person tells you they've been nowhere in particular, that means they've been somewhere in general. And so (laughs) I've always thought that was true of young people because, you know, that's that's exactly the way they answer. They kind of sidestep truth. So, Jace, there was we had some comments from the recent podcast about dad not remembering who his youngest son was <laughs> so, yeah his name now we we deem that as a senior moment but i'm going to defend phil and for you that you know you may be listening for the first time phil was going down through all his kids and he when he got to jep he said what was it and which one is that what was his name yeah. what's the, the fourth <laughs> one what's his name now i will say this phil has always had a tr- had trouble with people's names he, he never would use people by their given name. I'm not sure what that is. We all have nicknames. Even, you know, Al, you're Al. I became Jace. Willie's had all sorts of names in his life. Uh, yeah, he was Willie J. He was Will. He was Jess he was for, Jess for, for a, a long time. Uh, lo- right. And, uh, a man of many names. Yeah, he had a lot of names. He had a lot of hairstyles, a lot of body types. He He's been diverse just in his existence and just the things he did and continues to do. But the reason I was taken up for that is because I don't know if being in your fifties is considered having a senior moment, but I am incapable of keeping up with the ages of my kids. And it drives my wife just, it infuriates her. Because they'll say, "What do you? What are the eight? Somebody will say, "Now she's really infuriated at me." Oh, oh, yeah. old Phil, you're Jason. on the list. Yeah, there's how a old is Jason's oldest one. I'm like, well, let's see. yeah, if you, I mean, Phil, you don't know how old we are, probably. And uh, so, but I'm Al gave me a report. He was three three years shy of sixty. He just wanted to let me know that. But I said, "Boy, that was a that was a slam down." I said. <laughs> Three years from 60. Good grief. Yeah. So every that's time. Why in half two, in two, half y'all call me Phil and the other half calls me dad. So I don't know what that's about. So, but you're that's not true offended, too. I don't think. Oh, I, I wake up at night looking on why did they call me all these nights. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen, Jay. So I was taking it up for <laughs> Phil because every time people say, well, so how old are your kids? I stop and think. And I give, I give generalities of the age. I say, you know, Reed, he's he's twenty six, twenty seven, twenty somewhere in there. Missy's like somewhere in the twenty. Do not do that, because you're you're saying you don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm a no good rascal for that. <laughs> If you, if you look at, if I wrote every, down all my kin and all of the what this has produced, your mama and me, and then their children and their children's children, if I had to put the ages of it down, it would be laughable. 
mean, yeah, I, you're, you're so still grappling with who they are. Then. I'm trying to, I'd be in the ballpark. I tried to explain know. to Missy. I was like, I realize numbers are important because there's a book in the Bible named Numbers. So it is important. And I will try. I mean, I've, I've tried to seek her counsel to, to figure out how to remember that. But it just, on the spot, when you ask me, I'm not going to get them all right. And uh, it infuriates her because she's like, well, you can remember how many ducks came in on a day 20 years ago that y'all argue about constantly. And I'm like, well, because we're, we're always arguing about it. We're always bringing it up. We won't let it, let it go. Well, but just, I'm not arguing about my kids' ages. I will make one comment. The reason why that's difficult to get it nailed down if you have a lot of children and they have a lot of grandchildren and great good help me i need some help yeah well all of that because life moves at such a speed that we don't and when james says it's like a vapor but to keep up with everybody's exact age it becomes quite quite it's it's tough I, I think so. But because they're, they're, I, I you look don't. at them and you remember them, you know, when, when mom brings them in, but you little children running around, but but you look up one day and there you are, our crowding 60. So I when know. I said that exact line to Missy, what you just said, I said, you know, life is tough. We got a lot going on. She, no, it's not. No. You need to remember <laughs> how old your kids are at all times. <laughs> I would say you need to remember about their faith, <laughs> not their age. <laughs> Concentrate on that's their a, faith. Is it there or I'll not? Try that. I'll try that. I'll, I'll try, let you know how that. that I'll, I'll let you know how it works out. So my here's my theory as to this. So because I do remember things pretty well, but I, I think it's your birth order. So the oldest in a family tends to always be the historian of a family because. They just, it's their role. They remember, and this may not be a universal truth. It is true, Al, that you remember more, and I'm not going to say meaningless facts, because, you know, a lot of them, a lot of details, like from the Old Testament and just random facts, Al, I'll ask Al. Think about it, I'll think he knows this. I've heard it, but I did not retain it. Think about it. You got Jason's Jason's kids. You got Al's kids, Jason's kids, Willie's kids. (laughs) And, and Jeff's kids. There's kids. There's more Jeff, kids. And they, Jeff their has, kids have kids. Has women who are at the marrying age, his children. Exactly. You say, yeah, what's what's that boy she's going to marry? I said, are you kidding? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're going to college. They're in school. I see them at Thanksgiving and Christmas. You say, how old is the one that the third one down is dating? I'm like, the third one, let me see here. I mean... I mean, I haven't seen them walk well, by, but about three times. Yeah. They... Well, it's more than three times, but to your point, it is. It is a lot. Well, we were at Thanksgiving, and it was family and friends. Do you know all of Jeff's children's boys they're dating? It's all women there. Do you I, know all I, their ad- names and know ages? What? Uh, addresses? Well, <laughs> no, addresses, no. <laughs> I do know uh, most most of their boyfriends, and, and but, you know, Scylla just has a new boyfriend, so no, I don't. I looked him in the eye and was like, how you doing? But uh, 
Yeah, but I his live. Name is, I, his name is Benton, by the way. But, See, I, that's the thing but I live I, beside I him. Yeah, I, I live beside right. him, so I know more than you. Yeah. But what if you didn't live by him at all? You just saw him three or four times. Well, what I was going to say is when I was at the Thanksgiving gala uh, with family and <laughs> friends, I actually wanted to introduce myself about 20 times. I didn't any. <laughs> Because I acted like I knew everyone, but there was 20 encounters where I didn't know who that was off the top of my head. I sit there and way, way, way out there not knowing who they are. Miss K, Miss K knows. Yeah, I know. I said, what's that boy's name? That's what we're bringing this up for. I'm really not sure what to do about this. I think we have a problem, and uh, but I'm not sure how it's. I've never found the verse where it says all of your families and their structure and their siblings, you must know their names and addresses. Well, I think it would be better if we did. I think what if we had uh, what we did for our, you know, our little little one that we we were fostering. Uh, we had pictures of all the people, you know, in his life, and he would look at the pictures. Maybe if we had a little Rolodex of pictures with name on a yearly basis that went out because they're all about taking pictures. Now, everywhere we go, everything we do. I mean, look, last night, a tornado warning hit. I don't, did it hit down there? Oh, they called and said, get down. That's right there. But <laughs> yeah. I looked up and I said, it's a little south of us and it's already to the north of us. It yeah. missed us. So they're like, what are you talking about? It's just, it's <laughs> Well, look. they're chewing me out because I. Well, I, I, I walk. Missy and I were the only people at our house. I walked by her. She's on the couch, and she said, "Where are you going?" I mean, I had my computer. I was actually preparing for what we're talking about here, and I said, "Well, I'm going to the lowest floor of our house, which is my hunting closet, because it has a lot of hunting clothes and sleeping bags and all." And and I do not. Missy stays out of there. So to say it's not organized and it's, is an understatement. So I just go and just plop down in the middle of it, which is, and there was two big sleeping bags. And I have this big Yeti bag that you can go sleep on the desert with. And so I just plop down there and I'm, I'm working. So she comes down there and says, what are you doing? I said, it's a tornado warning. You can pick out a spot here. She's like, no, I think it, it's missed us. As she's taking a picture of me, on the floor of the mudroom. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm taking a picture of this. Why? <laughs> we got to document what I, where I go when a tornado warning. I, I just, I was flabbergasted at the picture being taken. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a break. You know, one of the things I enjoy to do, you guys don't get to do it because of duck hunting, but... I haven't been hunting as much, so I enjoy the sleep-in. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do, and, and you really need a cozy bed and cozy sheets to be able to do that. And uh, one of our sponsors is Bowl and Branch, and we talk about them a lot because they have the coziest, softest, they call them buttery sheets that are available, and, and it's, it's, it is true. Uh, long before they were a sponsor of the podcast, Lisa and I have been using this product uh, they use the highest quality threads on earth. They're made from slow-grown organic cotton, uh, has superior softness. Millions of sleepers love them. Very luxurious. Over 10,000 rave reviews. 
which tells you something about them. Uh, they've got 10 versatile colors, all sizes from twin up to a California king. So wherever you're sleeping, uh, they're going to fit. Best of all, Bowling Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. But trust me, you're not going to want to send them back. Uh, so make the most of bedtime with Bowling Branch sheets. You get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code Robertson at bowlandbranch.com. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Use the promo code Robertson to save 15% and have a great night's sleep. But then I thought, well, if the tornado hits and I die, this is going to be the last moment. She, she did it. She captured the last moment. But here's what I like, Jace. Missy would rather face the wrath of a potential tornado than mm-hmm. go into your man cave. She wouldn't do it. That's no, what no, I'm saying. I, 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 mean, said, <laughs> I said, if I were you, I would come join me. They're they they get they're giving it a tornado warning. She's I'm looking. It's going to the south of us. They they feel pretty strongly about it. My phone's going, bah, 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 go <laughs> to the... So I guess the point of this is we're all humans and we all have our weaknesses. Hers so is listening is, to weather-related uh, warnings. Mine is remembering the ages of our kids. And, Dad, did you ever move out of your chair with when all the tornado warnings were going on? Did you get into an interior closet in your house? I did not. Well, in Phil's defense. However, but you can hear one coming. Well, in Phil's defense, where's he going to go? Well, that's that, true. That so. little middle room and that little middle room, it's got walls off. Yeah. Phil? Okay. <laughs> I would pray. Yeah. <laughs> and by the time you leave, there's no really where to I'm go. I'm surrounded just... with huge trees. Oh, yeah. I know. If they can fall, I mean, there's no getting out of there if trees start falling. Have either one of y'all ever been? Has the tornado ever come by? I've never been one came in a situation. It's been about oh, seven or eight years ago. It sounded like a train in the air. And, and it came over. I said, Miss Kay, that is a tornado. Well, just below us, it crossed the river, picked up about between us and that next little town down there, but it, it cut a path through the woods for a while. But with us, it was it was in the air. I heard it. it sound like a train. I said, that is a tornado. It got louder and louder, and I told her, I said, uh, it gets any louder, we're going to have to get, get some shelter. But it passed on over and missed us, but it sure tore the ground up it cut a swath. You might need a storm like shelter. Right away. Yeah, the people dig the holes in the in the backyard. But yeah. Problem is you couldn't dig very far and you didn't get into water where you're at. Yep. Well, I, out of all the weather phenomenon, for whatever reason, tornadoes frighten me the most. And I think it's just because they're suddenness. But I've talked to people in the Midwest and you know, up where they're a lot more prevalent. And they claim they're much more in tune warnings than we would be because, you know, you had the thing on your phone, Jace. They say they've got all kind of siren system. But I'm like, man, when you see one of those bad boys get on the ground, if it's a bad one, it's just where do you go? What do you do? I've seen it where it peeled up the whole, you know, right down to the foundation. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's a scary thing. So. Oh, it's tough. Anyway. I'm I'm thankful it passed on over. Yeah, well, yeah. me too. So we're uh, talking about um, – about to talk about the crucifixion. But Jace, I feel like we need to, we had some really good points in the last overtime, and I thought we need to kind of 
maybe start there to kind of set us up for the, the, the crucifixion. We were in John chapter 19. Well, just, yeah, because of John. I think, yeah. Jace, if you, as you uh, uh, speak on these matters, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I'll just say over and over and over again, uh, eternal life is hanging on this. Let y'all talk, eternal life is hanging on this. I mean, literally, we know we're all going to die. We got one shot, and we're looking at the way to, way to get out of here. Until somebody comes up with a better story, Al, I'm staying with this one. I see no downside to believing that Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead. I see no downside. No, I'm glad you, you brought it up. I mean, we, we had talked about, of course, we filmed these podcasts a few days before they air, but uh, we were talking about the Buffalo defensive back, DeMar Hamlin, who had that episode in that game where literally people just stood still at the mortality of human beings. I mean, every, every, you know, playing football didn't look like a very big collision, and all of a sudden, you know, they're doing CPR and everybody's watching this. And immediately, and I think Jace, what made it so big was this was a big game. It was, you know, hype so big. You had the two two of the best three quarterbacks in the league playing. So, I mean, it had a huge viewership as well as you know this audience of people that were there. Well, but right. I think this platform is what made it so huge. No, I think you're right. And uh, you know, we're big Joe Burrow fans because he was at LSU, and I mean, we're watching the game and. I was amazed at a at a couple things, uh, at just how all of a sudden prayer just became something everyone was seemed to be doing and mentioning. You know, usually a lot of people but they there's pick, nowhere else to go to. They pick their words carefully, you know, and you're like, well, this guy must not be a believer. He's not. You know, our thoughts are with you. But by the time that that went, because I mean, they I don't think that has ever happened where they just stopped a game. No. Now, at first, you know, they were like, five minutes, we're going to come back and play. But the players were looking around like, do what? I'm sitting there as a son of God saying life itself is, is, is you never know. Well, right. It, it, and to your point about keep, when, that's why I was going with this. When you're, when you're saying, look, eternal life is on the line, people don't really stop and think about that until you see some kind of yeah. Mortality remind we see a guy who now everyone is rooting for. I mean, I, we said a prayer for him. I mean, because it was horrible we to watch, too. and this is happening every day on our planet in in some way. But there's the something I've, I've, about seeing that and seeing people's response, and even you're seeing the best of people and the worst of people. Because you know, <laughs> I think it's horrible to say five minutes. Hey, y'all, warm up five minutes. Let's get back to it. I mean that 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 was not a in, in good light, and you see people who are no longer reading from a script when something like this happens. They're just coming off their you know their life's journey to try to yeah. comment on this. Well, some really stepped up. You were like, okay, because and you you sensed a spiritual nature about them, but then you saw others that were just literally like a deer in the headlights. Reality sometimes is a shocking thing, but. Uh... Life is short and full of trouble. I mean, it, there's a lot of ways you can be dealt with eternal life one way or the other. The reason we're hollering about eternal life, that's before someone passes out on a football field. We're letting them know 
we're all fragile. I mean, life is short and dangerous, and this is a tough game. And it is, and it makes what we're discussing here with Jesus. Here, here is, you have an eternal being. You know, when you read John 1, because, you know, we're, we're reading John's account because Mark just gave the, basically the short version of Jesus being on trial with Pilate and then his ultimate death. But, you know, John 1 starts off saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And when you read verse 14, that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, we know this is Jesus. It's, you know, verse 17 of chapter 1. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So fast forward to us reading in John 19. Here is the creator of the universe who created everything. Nothing that was made was made without Jesus being a part of it. And now he's becoming a human, showing us how to live, never committing a sin, doing all these wondrous things, bringing out the best in all people, in all, you know, in both genders, male and female, bringing out the best, bringing people together. And now all of a sudden, he is a victim of the worst injustice imaginable because not only did he not commit the crimes they were accusing of him uh, that he did, he committed no crimes. I mean, he should have got the Human Achievement Award, Lifetime Achievement Award. He never said <laughs> one time. And, uh, and so he's railroaded, which, which in a way makes us mad, but then we realize, oh, wait, this was God's plan for him to take our place from the beginning and to receive the punishment that we deserve for our wrong decisions because God, this same God gave us a choice and to shower us with the righteousness that he accomplished. And so it's a beautiful story. It's, it's factual in that it's based on all these historical prophecies that came true. And so, Right in the middle of it, you want to be able to, to look back at the big picture. And so I think we left off where in, in the overtime, Al, in John 19. Hang on before you, do, before you read that. Let's take a break. When Pilate heard that, you know, Jesus claimed to be the son of God, he's now, he's already. Because up to had, now, it was, about a, it was about him being a king. Now, all of a sudden. Yeah. They're saying he claimed to be the son of God. That That's and, a little bit of a And Jesus there. had said, look, I'm not the king like you think where I'm trying to pick up weapons. He said that. I'm not of this world. My kingdom is of, an, of another place. It's, it's of another world. And everybody on the side of truth listens to me. He's like that. We are an army of people who have put their faith and trust in the truth that I am. 
And so now all of a sudden they're like, well, the, these leaders are claiming he's the, the son of God and that, that's, he's blaspheming and he's, he's a, a seditionist because he's claiming to be king and you must strike him down. So Pilate then says, well, where do you come from? He asked Jesus because he had, he had said his kingdom was not from there. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus spoke up then. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So he, number one, acknowledges this is God's plan, and he's going to surrender to this power, even though the opposite thing that Pilate thinks he's going to accomplish, which is Jesus being killed and taken care of, is going to happen. But it also shows us that when someone has power over us, even if it's to do something wrong, we we serve as long as it's within God's plan. I mean, th- this is a, a great example of that, because this stuff happens even today. People who have power, and I mean worldly power, they usurp that over people who are trying to to live for Jesus. But in the end, God's plan is bigger and better. And this, more than any other place in the history of the world, proves that. Because the greater plan happened. So verse 12, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but they kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. And so then in 13, Pilate heard this. He brought Jesus out, sat down on the judge's seat at a place known the stone pavement. It was the day of preparation of Passover, about the sixth hour. He said, here's your king. Now, he'd already flogged. He's already been flogged twice, I think, at this point. He's beaten down. He's being mocked. He has a purple robe on, a crown of thorns. And they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Yeah, and so I think, you know, we talked a lot about in the overtime last time about applications, and I think one of them is that idea of Pilate assuming that he had the power over Jesus, and Jesus reminds him no. And I think it's just a great picture of human arrogance that, somehow you think, you know, you're in power when you're really not. And so we, we talked about it, how you see that even in current political structure, people will do all sorts of things in, in politics, but ultimately it's, it's only what power you give them. And so we ultimately know that we stand on the side of truth, no matter who's in power, what party it is or whatever. Who was so we, the, who was the one that. that the worms ate up? That was Herod. Over in the book of Acts. It, that was his, Herod. The same life, one. The same his life didn't end well. It didn't, and, and it's interesting because I don't know that we mentioned this when we were uh, talking about this, but the Matthew account of this discussion with Pilate, it, Matthew notes that Pilate and Herod became big buddies over this situation with Jesus. They had not had a political alliance until now, but like you said, Dad, ultimately it didn't matter because when we get over to Acts twelve. Um, the Bible says that the angel of death struck him with worms. And so they ate him from the inside out. So it wasn't a pretty ending, you know, when judgment comes. So this takes us up to the point of the crucifixion. Um, 
which, you know, obviously, like we've said, this has been predicted. This has been pointed to. It had to happen this way. The curse on the tree. We've talked about that. The prophecy being fulfilled. And so now we're going to get to that point. Well, I wanted to make one point, though, because when you brought up that Acts 12, you know, in 21, when on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him. He was eaten by worms and died. But this next verse is what I wanted to bring up. But the word of God continued to increase and spread and really you remember jesus's word that is the final judge for us the words that he spoke he brought that up many times in the gospels that's what remains and that's why he told Pilate that everyone on the side of truth listens to me and the in the bottom line, we're reiterating this. The truth about Jesus is more life-changing and transforming and solid to every fabric of our society and in your personal life than anything a political power is going to present. Because you got to remember, political powers, their number one goal is to stay in power. That's it. Jesus's number one goal is to transform you and to live with you forever in heaven. Which is the better avenue of power to to go after? Seems like a no-brainer to me. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I think that's why you gotta you gotta realize that we're not, you know, knocking politics. I vote every time the election is there, and I'm thankful that we do that. But I know if you want to have real change in your life, you need to read the red letters on a daily basis. And the and the point is, uh, let's take another break. The point is, whether you're in this world under a dictatorship, under communism, under socialism, under capitalism, under our former government, there are believers under each one of those different kinds of governing parties. And we're all brothers and sisters with those people. And we all are part of the same kingdom. That's what makes this so amazing and so fascinating. So I wanted to read uh, before we, we get into the Mark version of or his take on the crucifixion because there's a lot of obviously through this whole process we've been looking at different gospels uh, i wanted to read isaiah 53 because it's so powerful we've we made a big point out of this thing that all this was actually before the creation of the world the process and how jesus would save us has been known and so throughout human Jewish history, especially, it's been prophesied about over and over and over again. And Isaiah 53 is basically 700, over 700 years before this event happens. And so in Isaiah 53, it's over 700 years before this event happens. But I wanted to read this because it's so powerful when we actually get into reading how it happened to read how Isaiah said it would happen over 700 years before it did happen. And here's what he said. And remember, this is available to all the Jewish people. So they, they're aware of this prophecy in this scripture. Even the ones who were saying crucified. First one says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. 
He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely we took up our infirmities. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was depressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. We talked about that strong silence, Jay. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made and made intercession for the transgressors. <clears throat> that was Isaiah's take over 700 years before the actual event happened. And, and tell me how spot on it was for everything we've talked about up until this point. You reckon some of them said, we might ought to check out that Isaiah text here, boys. I mean, you would think they they knew what you just read. But it's just like we talked about. You don't, we all get going through life. And then even when we were talking about the football player falling out, then all of a sudden the complete mood changes. Well, but we all know that that's a possibility for everybody. And I think that's what happened here. You, It's the old, you know, the saying, you don't see the forest for the trees. You know, because everyone was, the followers of Jesus were thinking the consequences were follow, uh, for following Jesus at that moment was you could be killed. I mean, that's what they're thinking. You're not thinking, oh, this is this is great. This is what this is the Lord is working. I remember that passage in Isaiah. No, you're running for your life. It, it gets real when there's a threat or danger to your life. It just life gets real. But you think about that, I think a lot of it was because their leadership, the the teachers of the law, the chief priests, the elders, the people that did know this text intimately, they're spurring them on to say crucify him so yeah, they're saying they just, this is not him i know this it. is not him and they just followed you but you know when they did get it whenever peter stood up in acts 2 after the resurrection and ascension and after the holy spirit was poured out and he said you with the help of wicked men put him to death then it hit home 
then all of a sudden it was yep. like, whoa, that was us. We did that. That's when they got all of a, all of a sudden they were cut to the heart. That's right. They said, we're on the wrong side of this thing. What do we do? Remember, he warned them. He pleaded with them. He gave quite the speech. Well, this is the equivalent. What happened to Jesus is the equivalent of an emotional riot that just escalated and emotions got to running and you got powers that be fueling the fire. And the next thing you know, Jesus is dead. And then the next thing you know, it was God's plan for this, for this to all happen. As painful as it was. And then, then the light bulb did come on for everybody. Which was the, the entire point. That's right. Let's take our last break. But, you know, I, look, I, I would like to thank y'all that all these people that were a party of this, once Jesus is resurrected and the message starts going forth by the power of the Holy Spirit, you got to think some, they had then had to have a contemplation. We're living proof it reached all the way to here, that 700 uh, B.C. year that all that was going, Isaiah was talking about it. Yeah, but my it, point is. It finally is, reached down all the way well, to. What happened when it reached to those guys who were part of the coup? That's what I want to know. When they're like, remember that guy we killed? We had him killed? They say he's back. Do what? I mean, I know that had to have happened. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know it did, and we also know from the from later after the resurrection that they went in and basically bribed the guards to say this never happened. So they were still willing to cover up the truth with lies yeah. even after he'd been raised from the dead. They had no explanation for what happened to him. Well, if you fast forward two thousand over two thousand years since that happened, and you look at modern day Israel. I don't know whether they got it or not, Al. What do you think? A lot of people still missing it. There's no doubt about it. They've been missing it all along. It's just a lot more of them. Let me read this text in uh, Mark 15. Um, We'll get the Mark version of it, and then we'll talk a little bit uh, the rest of our time about some of the other versions. It says in verse 21, because we got it right to the point where finally, you know, Pilate has said, all right, and he turns him over to be crucified. A certain man from Cyrene Simon, the father of Alexander Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross, which I've always imagined, what if you're this guy? I mean, you know, you're in for the Passover. It's probably We imagine it being a big guy, but I don't know that he was or wasn't. But Jesus at this time is so broken down and beaten, he's having a hard time carrying his cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And the implication of that is this was to help take away some of the pain. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. So this is his his executioners. The only thing he really had, I guess, in his possession. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. They're still mocking him right up to the end. 
In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Which we're going to get that in a lot more detail. Very, the very thing they tell him what he, what he should do, not realizing that he has to do this. That's right. Well, yeah, it and, didn't matter. Right? And it's just the nature of human beings. <clears throat> Everybody wants to be on the winning team. So at this point, when he's hung on the cross, they're pretty much saying, you've lost. Your movement is over. So then it's, to me, this reminds me of like social media, you know, the when everybody starts ganging up because they, they want to be on the winning side. And so you're real bold when you're looking at a person hanging on a cross who made these claims because you got to remember Jesus was threatening to people's lives, which we talked about a couple podcasts ago because he confront them way down deep in their soul and their heart. And there's a reason that people change when they in- encounter Jesus or Jesus encounters them. I mean, this is, so all of a sudden, it, this basic human rebellion of ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Yeah, you you claim to be, you know, some kind of God and look at you. I mean, I, they're just piling it on. So one of the things we read about in Isaiah was this idea about humiliation. I mean, it was obvious that it was predicted. It would be a humiliating experience, and it was. Uh, the reason that Roman execution was done this way was to humiliate the criminals to keep people in line. So the, you, you, you didn't die from the being nailed to the tree. You died because you suffocated because you couldn't, after a while, your body sinks to the point where you can't get a breath. And then if you didn't die quick enough, they would come and break your legs where you couldn't push up to get a breath. So, I mean, this is a, a terrible way to die. And this is the son of God who's never sinned, who is being humiliated in this way. So I, I think the gravity of that you have to recognize, and it was done on purpose. And my theory is it was done to show how bad sin is. Let me read the rest of this in this in the, in the rest of our time here. Verse 33. At the sixth hour, so now we know it's been three hours since this process started, because it started at the third hour. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. So now we've got three more hours under some kind of supernatural eclipse. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is Aramaic. It means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we talked about that earlier, the, the meaning of that statement. When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man, ran, filled, uh, one man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. These are all prophecies being fulfilled. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's very significant. When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God, which is pretty amazing. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome. 
In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women uh, who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there, which we talked about the significance of that as well. So <clears throat> you see in this process, um, this it's an end, but of course we know it's not the end. It's the, it's the beginning of something that's going to be very different. But I thought it was interesting, Jason, when you look at the people who are standing around him, some are still curious to see, you know, because they're saying, oh, let's see if Elijah saves him and not in a good way. Others who are there had been there from the beginning, but it was only the women who seemed to hang in there with him uh, through the process. And then you had this Roman centurion who really had faith that we hadn't seen in much of anybody up until this moment, but he recognized something special about Jesus and really becomes the only one and it's the entire gospel, except for, I guess, Peter's confession that recognizes that he truly was the son of God. Yeah. And like I said, this was a uh, quote when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from Psalm 22? And I think the the punishment of our sin, what we deserve, him being human. And not only that, you just think it wasn't like he was here 33 years you know, with God, he's been here the whole time. So, and my point is, just think about, you know, if you lose, and I say lose, like if someone dies that you're, that's an acquaintance, you may think about it and say, okay. And if you lose a friend, there's a little more emotion here. Now, if you lose a family member, now you're shedding a few tears and, well, if you lose, uh, you know, one of your kids or your wife, well, now it's done got, got real. And you say, well, why is that? It's because the amount of time that you've spent with these people, you've amassed quite the relationship. So when you think about Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, well, they've been together throughout eternity. And in this one moment, they're having to, based on their love and grace, which is offered to us, they're having to have this separation and this death and this punishment being cast on Jesus. And I think that's why he cried out like that. But I think when you read Psalm 22, it kind of gives you a picture because it, it's a picture of an execution. And we know David didn't go through an execution. So why is it in the Bible? I mean, I, I think it was his prophecy of what Jesus would say. And so he was fully aware of what he was. It wasn't like he was, because a lot of people read this and they think, oh, well, he's he's broken down here. It, you know, he's lost it. And no, it, it's just, that's what it took for us to be saved is an eternal relationship, having a moment of separation so our sins could be paid for and our righteousness could be given you know by him so um that's that's just all the time we got for this podcast but there are a lot of implications even from the mark passage and we hadn't even gotten into some of the others so we'll do a little bit of that in our overtime segment and then our next podcast as well if you want to follow us over to overtime it's blaze tv.com slash unashamed not only do you get our overtime segments but you also get everything blaze has to offer uh including dad's old show uh, in the woods with Phil. So check us out. Thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. 
And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.